Hello everyone, today with a special episode, it's our first late real European football talk. Um, normally we always sending out like 1300, now it's already close to 9 o'clock. But we have a special guest today with me on the side, of course, Coach Mele. And today we have um, a four times German ball champion, three times hero ball champion with the New York Alliance from Braunschweig. Liberty offensive line player and team captain. He's one of the German kids who go over and play football in the States and was a captain of a team. So this is also a special thing. And you all know him. He's the face of the playmaker camps in Germany and I think so also Europe. He will talk about himself. Uh, welcome, Sören Wendland. Welcome, Sören. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Nice to have you. So then, um, how everything starts, go straight into how you become with American football in touch and how was the way over to the United States in a time there was no big run NFL and people know everything. How you start football in Europe and how was the way um, to Liberty University? Yeah, okay. So, well, yeah, when I started playing football, I remember it was 2000 and um, I was, uh, how old was I? I think I was uh, 14 years old at that time. And um, I remember seeing the commercials on TV for the Super Bowl. And I was like, wow, the colors are so amazing. That sport, that looks like, that looks like fun. That looks like action. All these big guys, the colors, the excitement around the commercials. I was like, I have to watch the Super Bowl. So then I asked my mom, hey, um, I want to watch the Super Bowl. It's really late at night. Can I watch it? Of course, he said, no, you cannot watch it. <laughs> so then I recorded the Super Bowl with, um, with, on the VHS. And um, over the next uh, two, three days, I watched the game. Yeah? I, um, the game was kind of long. I only watched like an hour at a time. And I think I wasn't allowed to watch much TV at the time. And um, my mom was really, really had an eye on it. So I watched the game and was really excited. Every day I came, I went back to school and I talked to my to my friends about um, Eddie George, Kurt Warner, Tory Holt, and, and the exciting game. And uh, I told my mom after I saw the game, I was like, I want to play football. And coming from Cuxhaven, I, I always thought, oh, we don't have a football team. Um, mom, you have to drive me to Bremerhaven because the Bremerhaven Seahawks, they have a football team. I need to play football. Oh, and wow, she said, no, it's too far. I'm not, I'm not driving you to Bremerhaven. So um, actually a week later, and one of those weekly newspapers that you get in the mail, like these advertising newspapers, there was an article about the Cuxhaven North Stars football team. And uh, my mom showed me, hey, there's a football team in Cuxhaven. And I was like, yeah, I have to go. That's amazing. And they were looking for players. They, were, they said they were setting up a youth team. And so my dad then took me to uh, football practice. And I think it was a Friday or a Tuesday. And I went there, and the first time I, I, I got on, I got on the practice. The, the coaches welcomed me, um, and they were so excited to see me. See, they see this big guy who wanted to play football, and I played football. The first practice was I just got hooked, and I that's what that's what I wanted to do. So I always, I went to practice, um, and um, the team was really small, Cooksaf North Stars. And they didn't really have a youth team; they had a few youth players, like 10, 12 kids who wanted to play. Um, but over time, the, the, the players dropped. They didn't want to play anymore, looked for other stuff. 
but I really wanted to play. So they said to me, hey, you're a really big guy, you're tall, you're big, hey, you can practice with the men's team. I was like, okay, yeah, great. So I practiced with the men's team when I was 15 years old. And um, well, I got my, uh, well, basically I was just practicing. I never really played in, in any game. And because there was no, just no team. Um, yeah. And I practiced with the men's team and pretty much went this way. I, I wasn't, I got to play for the uh, Niedersachsen all-star team, the all-state team. That was a great experience for me. Um, then um, actually, uh, I think one or two years later, um, I was asked if I would want to join the Ritterhude Badgers. Um, mm-hmm. still, they're still around. Yeah. The Ritterhude yeah, Badgers. No I, I joined them. I played for the youth team actually. Um, that was great because I finally got to play like organized uh, football, um, even though I wasn't at practice much because the trip was really long. So I was practicing Huxhaven with the men's team and every once in a while I came to, to practice with the Ritterhude and then I played in the games. And um, after that year, I, uh, I actually I suffered an ACL injury. Ooh. I had to get a surgery on my, on my knee. Um, and, uh, but I was able to come back from surgery. So 2003 basically I set out 2004 uh, I came back from my knee surgery and I uh, was finally 18 years old and um, I got to play for the Via Vikings in the GFL 2 so I, I was one of the youngest players and I would say in the GFL 2 I was 18 years old I could have played one more year of junior football but I played for, for them in the GFL 2 wow. that same year I made it to the German junior national team as a defensive lineman and I traveled with them to Moscow to the European Championship um, that was a great experience. Uh, got to play uh, in, in Russia at the European tournament. And uh, I played GFL 2. And then the following year after playing GFL 2, I was offered to uh, by the Hamburg Blue Devils to join them and play in the GFL. Okay, And the Hamburg Blue Devils, they just came off. Um, that I think they, they didn't win the German Bowl. They lost the, the German Bowl to, to Braunschweig that year. Yeah. So in 2005, I played for the Hamburg Blue Devils. Wow, the and, big time of the Blue Devils, I remember. Yeah, that, that, that was still the good time, yeah. 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 Wow. And uh, I got to start. Um, it was a great season. We made it all the way to the German Bowl. We lost to Braunschweig. Braunschweig won, won their first um, German Bowl, um, I think, after four four losses. And then um, uh, I finished my Abitur um, the, the, that year, that next year, 2006. And right after um, I finished my, 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 my high school here in Germany, I went over, I got a scholarship to play football at uh, Liberty University. Okay. And how, how that was come? How was the idea from uh, going from Germany away to the to, yeah. uh, United States? Yeah, so, so pretty much as I was, uh, it was, it's a really strange story. It's, uh, yeah. But it's, it's great that it happened. And uh, so uh, when I played for the German junior national team, uh, my name showed up on the roster. And with my name on the roster, it showed my size. I'm like, I'm like two meters and one, and I was 135 kilos at the time already, right? So yeah. I was always really big. And um, then um, my mom comes in, the, in my room one day and says, hey, there's somebody on the phone from America, right? Wow. And I was like, okay, well, okay, okay. <laughs> so I, I, I talked to, talk to the guy and the guy says, hey, I'm, I'm this guy. I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I, um, and I, I think some people that are now um, trying to play college football, played college football, they know him. Um, as you say, his name is Dan Hearn, right? He's around. Um, yeah. So he, he called me. And, and I was like, how do you, fi- you find me, right? He said, well, I found you on, um, I saw that list. 
and I saw mm -hmm. the team you played for, and then I was still listed with Cookshaven North Stars at that time, right? Yeah. Um, and and that was that was my luck because if I would have been listed for Via Vikings, he would have never found me in the phone book. Okay, so wow. he basically looked up Cookshaven and then my last name Ventland and called every family in Cookshaven with the last name Ventland and then he wow. reached he reached me. I think there's only two or three, and I, I think it was the first one um, to, to to reach actually. But so then um, I, I started a dialogue with him basically, and it was endless conversations over the phone, on email. And basically what it came down to, he said, hey, if you, you have the size, right? Um, if you have decent tape, um, it's possible for you to get a scholarship in the US. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, I want it, I want it. What do I have to do? So he was then telling me, okay, this is what you need to do. Um, you need to find a school that gives you a scholarship. So we need tape, okay? Send over some tape. I give the tape to some schools in the area where I live. And then what will help you is you come over to the US for a trip, we tour some schools, and maybe a school will give you a scholarship. So basically that's what I did. I was in contact with him, I sent him some tape. He sent tape to schools in his area where he lived. And I got my first email. I got my first email from James Madison University. They said, hey, we wanna, we wanna give you a scholarship on the spot. Right? It was just a bunch of it. And once you get in this recruiting game, it's a bunch of 50% truth, 50% complete bullshit, right? Yeah. So they were telling me we want to give you a scholarship. Then they, James Madison called me. We want to see you. And then I told my parents. I said, Hey, I think there's a chance I can go over to the U.S. And um, there's a chance for me. So they can. I, I said, Hey, I need money. Um, doesn't matter. Give me a phone. I need uh, two thousand euros. I need to fly to the U.S. I need to just meet some schools. Right. So then they said they got their savings together. They sent me over to the U.S. I met up with Dan. Dan picked me up from the airport, stayed at his house. Turned out he's a really nice guy. He's a little odd, but he's a really great guy. I stayed with his wife and him. And he drove me around to these schools. The first school we went to was Liberty. And uh, I liked it there. It was a like, nice campus. And I, I didn't know anything about college football pretty much. So I thought that Liberty, that was like the biggest thing ever. Then we went to U University of Virginia. We went to University of Richmond, William & Mary, we saw Villanova, we saw uh, James Madison, we saw Towson University. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so, and and UVA was a great experience too. They toured me around, they, 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 they liked me in a way, but to be honest, the only school who offered me a scholarship in the end was Liberty, okay? okay. So, and then after my, my visit there, I went there in October after the German war in 2005. And then around January, Liberty called me and said, hey, um, we want to fly you in for an official visit. So I skipped school. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got an airplane. I flew to the U.S. on, I think it was on a Friday. Then they said, hey, why are you staying here only for three days? Because I flew in on Friday and I left on Sunday, right? Yeah. I, got, I went to my official visit. I visited Liberty and then they, uh, they offered me a scholarship. And the, the reason why they gave me a scholarship was uh, Coach Rocco, who at Liberty, who gave me a scholarship. He, he met me when I went to visit the University of Virginia, right? right? And he remembered me. And when he saw me on the recruiting list at Liberty, he said, I want that guy because they, at the University of Virginia, they felt like getting this German guy was a little bit too much of an experiment. Yeah. But for Division One AA at Liberty, uh, Liberty was at the time, he felt like they can develop this guy into something because they, they have a need for, you know, bigger bodies, right? So yeah. back then it wasn't that easy with YouTube and all that stuff. You actually had to make DVDs, then send them out. 
Um, there weren't any really, there weren't many Germans out there. There was no German who made it to the NFL yet, right? And um, mm -hmm. or, or there, there were some in the past, but not not somebody very right. um, at that time, you know. And there were only, I think, like uh, three, four guys, European guys, maybe uh, at college football at that time when I was 2006, right? So um, I, I went over, then I, well, I got my scholarship. I did on all the, the, the paperwork. And um, well, after I graduated, I met my RB2. I, I, needed, oh, I needed to pass my RB2 to, to be able to get that um, scholarship. And at that time, I finished my RB2 in my physics class. I, I, I actually had zero points in my physics test, right? And I think nowadays you, you couldn't, wouldn't pass your RB2, but back then you could still pass. But yeah. I had a really, my GPA was like right at the, at the, the borderline GPA, GPA to get. Um, yeah. To get the scholarship, I got it, and then I went. I went over, and at Liberty, then I, I got there. I um, I really focused just on football and school. I um, got my bachelor's within three years. I got a little early because I stayed in the summer. I focused. I just football and school is pretty much all I did. Mm -hmm. And um, I my first three years, I played defensive line because in Germany I always played defensive line. And in my junior year, they said, "Hey, Soren." You're gonna play offensive line now. We have a need. We need a tackle, and you, we think you'll be great with that, right? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I, I, I always was the guy who said, okay, whatever I have to do, I do. Whatever you want me to do, I do, right? So I did it. And first day I practiced offensive line, I felt like shit afterwards because I, I realized I should have played offensive line from day one. I got there. <laughs> uh, okay. It was just a more natural position for me. And um, looking back, why they moved me from defensive line to offensive line, it was always. Um, I said, but they were telling me, because your hands are too slow. And I never understood what it means. But then I, 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 I kind of, I finally understood it. It means like you, I wasn't able to get the separation. That The defensive lineman really needs to get in, put his hands on the man, create separation, right? So he can read and make the tackle, right? And I was more the guy who put his face in the other guy, right? So an, yeah. more like an ideal offensive lineman, come in, face on and push him, push him out. And that my, my, my hands were just not fast enough. And I, I like to say sometimes now um, when, when after my career, when I've been coaching at the camps, I like to tell, hey, if, 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 um, if you play defensive line and, and you cannot get the separation with your hands, like you always catch yourself in the man, you're probably a very better offensive lineman, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's the truth. Like, when I was uh, I was coaching last year with the Adler, and the first thing we we did, one of the first things we did was um, we moved the the worst linebackers to offensive line and the worst defensive linemen to offensive line, and and they were great offensive linemen, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, so I played offensive line my um, my first year in the offensive line. I, I really had to learn the position and the playbook. I never played offensive line before. I always played defensive line in Germany. And I spent a lot of time in the film room, watched a lot of tape, um, spent a lot of time meeting extra with the coaches, um, just learning, uh, meeting with other players, learning the plays, understanding the techniques, really putting, and I've always put every day, I put an hour, an hour and a half in of ag extra agility work and footwork just to get the, uh, get in the rhythm of playing offensive line. And it really helped out. I um, started in the spring. Um, and then when the season started, I was, uh, started out the second spring, but I split playing time. Mm -hmm. um, after the third game of the season, the guy in front of me got hurt, and from that day I was a starter. Right? Yeah. When he came back, um, we split some time, but then it wasn't really much splitting anymore. Um, yeah, and, and then my senior year, 
I was a, I was full-time starter. I was team captain. Uh, it was a great experience. It's just uh, we won the Big South Championship every year when I was there. That was great. But with, at Liberty at that time, there was this, um, you know, they were in, now they're in Division One. Um, they're in the FBS, and, and they actually won the, the bowl a bowl game uh, a bowl last year. Yeah. At that time, they were FCS, so Division One AA, and. Um, what I kind of uh, wish sometimes that we would have made it to the playoffs. We never made it to the playoffs. We always got kind of voted out of the playoffs. So we made it. We were number 14 in the nation at, at some point. Um, but um, yeah, then we we lost two games, um, two weak opponents, and that kind of got us out of the playoff one year. We were nine and two, and it's just kind of sad sometimes we didn't make it to the playoffs because that was always the big goal: make it to the playoff, make it to the national championship. But you have to have high goals. And looking back, it was a great experience. It was really valuable experience, and um, yeah, I got a lot of education out of it. I finished my bachelor's, my master's there on scholarship. Didn't have to pay anything. Met my wife, so yeah. Um, yeah, good experience in college. Absolutely, and, that sounds that sounds great. I mean, this is what uh, the most kids dream of: going over, become the team captain, and of course now saying, "Oh, don't make the playoffs." But you, I think you accomplished a lot of things, and this is the stories I, I I love to hear when you say, you know, no YouTube and all that stuff. Kids from right now, it's so easy. You know, get a paddle, get your highlights, some paddle, yeah. yeah. like five minutes. You know, we. I say the old dogs, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, DVD and, and VHS, how it calls. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, it's tough. And um, now is tomorrow the draft. Was for you as a team captain, as an all-time starter, was there some some dream? Of course, the dream was there to make it to the NFL. We all have that. Uh, but was there something people reach out to you or how it goes yeah. on? Yeah, so my story of the NFL, um, well, when I was uh, my senior year, um, you have scouts coming in, um, looking at practice, they're looking at tape. Um, I had a, I had some scouts talking to me sometimes. Um, they were they were actually they were definitely nice because they told me, hey, we watched your tape, we like your size, we like this, mm -hmm. you really need to improve on this and that, okay? So that was some great insights. And um, after the season was over, I, um, I, got, I got an agent. And the agent, he sent me train in Pittsburgh. So I was training there for six weeks for uh, my pro day. See, my agent only committed to six weeks. Okay, that's that's not a good sign if your agent only commits to six weeks of sending you train somewhere. Um, because usually when you're like a preferred um, preferred kind of a draft pick or walk-on or somebody really believes in you, they would take you for three months and send you somewhere to really prepare you all the way up to training camp. But my agent, you know, he sent me for six weeks. I was rated as like uh, possible to um, to be in training camp, right? Yeah. So by when I came out in 2000, uh, when was it? It was 2011, right? Yeah. So 2011, um, they had this, uh, uh, this NFL bargaining agreement was renegotiated and came to the lockout, okay? So what the lockout meant was that the NFL didn't do the operation as they would usually do, 
okay? So usually they do the draft in April, okay? And after the draft one, this year is probably gonna be different too for them because of Corona, but usually yeah. um, they do their draft in April and pretty much after that, they start with their uh, uh, preparation with their camps with some kind of um, practice. They basically start out, I think, with a 90 man roster mm -hmm. and then they carry that until training camp starts and then they cut it down, right? Yeah. Or then they really determine who's going to be on this uh, larger roster until they cut it down. Right. And and so uh, when I came out, April comes, the draft comes. There's a lockout, and and they were not the teams were not communicate were allowed to communicate with free agents, with agents, with, with nobody. They couldn't communicate. So there was like I didn't hear anything, right? My agent no. didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. My teammates, nobody heard anything, right? So yeah. they didn't do as normal as the uh, operations with the training camps. So what, what then happened to me was as I was waiting, I was getting nervous and I wanted to play football and I I signed up with an indoor football league team. So I, I, I was playing uh, the, in, the Green Bay Blizzards, indoor football league at that time, contacted me. I was there for a week and then I thought I'm going to go there and play and I... It was kind of good. That was kind of a strange thinking for me because you know you, they, that, those are all guys that that they play college football, they play full pro football. And you think you go there and you play right away while they're at the end of their season, while they're almost making the playoffs, right? It's basically you come in as a backup, right? So I come there, I realize I'm a backup. I don't get to play, and then if you don't play, you only get fifty dollars a week. If you play, you get two hundred fifty dollars a week. So I was thinking, nah, it's not worth it. I'm going to go back. So I went back. I left I left the team. And then um, I really decided, hey, I'm done here. And I can. I got an offer in Germany. I got an, uh, I got offered an apartment uh, and, and some money and just to kind of get established. And, I, you know, I'm just going to – I was thinking, I'm just going to go do that until the NFL season is over. Then they call me anyway and I can come back. Right? That was my thinking at the time. Yeah. And it wasn't really a good thinking because I, once you once you get out of sight, then it gets a little bit more difficult. So what happened to me, I, I went to Germany. I signed with Braunschweig. I was really excited and got into the apartment. And I left my, my cell phone that I had in the U.S. I left it with my, uh, with my friend, with Paco, right? Um, yeah. Another German guy. He didn't have a cell phone. So I gave him my cell phone. And... Um, I said, hey, Spaco, this is my cell phone. I know you don't have a cell phone. You can just use it. It's a straight talk phone from Walmart. So it's a prepaid phone. You just charge it up whenever you want. Here you can have it, right? Just if you get a call, if you get a call, just let me know, right? Yeah. So I'm in Germany. Like after like two weeks in Germany, um, I see in the news the NFL lockout is lifted, right? So NFL lockout is lifted. I'm thinking, well, when am I going to get my call? When am I going to get my call? So all of a sudden I get this Facebook message, right? From Paco. And Paco says, Hey Soren, I just got a call here from the Cleveland Browns. Call this number back. Right? Call him back. So forty-five minutes later, basically, after I got the message, I called the Brown. No, but I got the message, I saw the message forty-five minutes after he, he, he sent it. And I called the Browns, I called the coach and I said, Hey coach, Soren Mendent here, I, I heard you calling me. Right? He said, Oh, oh Soren. Well, yeah, thanks for calling back. At, um, yeah, but uh, man, don't worry about it. We found somebody else. Right? Oh. And, and, and that moment, then I realized, okay, uh, I, my, my stock in the whole NFL draft was, yeah, if you would have been available right away, they would have called you in, brought you in for training camp. You would have had your chance. Yeah. 
but you were not good enough to um, to really be on the preferred list of people they were going to really reach out for. Right. And um, yeah, I did not get my chance. Um, I didn't have another team calling me. It was just the, the Browns, and I didn't or didn't pick up the phone early enough. So that was my my NFL chance kind of going away in that moment. Wow. And um, yeah, it's uh, that was a little disappointing. Um, I had some friends whom, who made it. They were with an NFL team for two days, or one day, and got cut. Mm-hmm. They really started cut down really fast um, on players in, in that week after the lockout was lifted. And yeah, I, then I played for Braunschweig, and I was trying to get some tape together, you know, and try to do another um, another attack of making it to the NFL. But then, to be honest, um, we didn't really have any tape in Braunschweig. There was no end zone uh, uh-huh. recording. There was only sidelines. Some games were recorded, some were not. And and then uh, after that first year, um, I realized I don't really have tape. Uh, it's, uh, well, dream's over, right? So I focused on uh, just on, on the Lions. And, um, yeah, I was playing for Braunschweig. I actually got an opportunity to work at New Yorker, start my career there, did an internship in the corporate development. Then I got an opportunity to work in the internal auditing at New Yorker. That really helped me out. And then uh, when this whole... Um, when Braunschweig was really bad in 2011, 2012, uh, I was approached and asked if I wanted to take on a position in the sponsoring department and really help out with um, with, um, with managing or uh, helping out the coaching staff and the executives with the lines. And I did that and I, I helped out Coach Tomlin and um, the New Yorker executives to just, you know, do some operational management of the football team. And that was that was great. That was fun. I really loved it. And, um, yeah, we won the German Bowl 2013, 2014. But then 2014 came around. We got our we had our first kid. And um, then I realized, just realized, okay, football is not uh, soccer, right? So I, I really looked out on Google, where can I make money? And uh, Google told me um, the most money you can make um, if you don't have any special qualifications, like a doctor or a lawyer or something, most money you can make in sales. So then I looked up which, uh, which, uh, which branch uh, would you make the most money and said IT sales or oil sales or medicine sales, right? Medicine device, medical devices. And I was like, okay, medical devices. I looked up jobs in that. Uh, you need to kind of have a, like, like a little biology background. Um, and, or you need an engineering background for oil and machinery. So I applied for IT and software sales and I got a position, right? So then I started a career in... It's uh, uh, a roller coaster. Yeah, I, sta- I, started, I started working in, in, uh, in sales and with an IT company. And uh, that, that goes really well. When I got, it gave me the opportunity to really then continue playing football in the evenings. Yeah, um, I was working in the day and playing football in the evening. Played in Braunschweig 2015, 16, 17, 16, 2016. I was, well, I basically, ever after 2015 to season, I started struggling. Some injuries caught up with me. I kind of fought through them. 2017 was a really bad year for me like with injuries and other things. And I just realized I had to stop playing football. Okay. Um, I moved to Berlin for, for work. And then, um, yeah, just really... Uh, stop, stopped as a player, at least try to stop. I played then and uh, I was uh, coaching in with the Berlin Adler 
I was the offensive line coach, and after a few uh, few games, of course, the seven offensive linemen that you start with are on, there are only three left. And then the first thing they ask you is, "Hey, coach, can you play?" Right. So I did three games for them, and I really stopped playing. Then uh, summer 2019, that was my my last game. Mm-hmm. And wow. uh, since then, I, I'm done playing. I'm not really planning on coming back. And uh, yeah, th- that's at the yeah, during all that time while I was in playing for the Lions, the end of 2016, I uh, started out with the Playmakers football camps. Yeah, but go, and, go, go quick back to the, to the Lions. How was, how was the, um, the Lions, the GFL football compared to college football? Because I know the Braunschweig Lions one of, come with you to one of the best yeah. uh, football teams in Europe, I think. Um, you know, all these titles in row, yeah. um, how that was. How, how was for you the, the way from, because I remember your first day in, in Braunschweig, I picked you up and showed yeah. that I was bringing you to the to the apartment. And, um, you know, uh, how, how that was going on this journey with the Lions and of course compare players, coaches, uh, how competitive was the, the, the roster, the, the football yeah. Braunschweig. Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, well, when I came back, for, when I came, my first season, 2011, when I played here in Germany, uh, my very first play against Stuttgart, I got two penalties in one play. Oh, for, really? I got a holding, and then I got a clipping from behind, right? And, uh, <laughs> I, it, it was just like, uh, it, it was just kind of, um, but, and and I don't think that those penalties would have been called in the US, so um, it just f- felt like, the game was a little different. Yeah. And as I then was playing, I realized, okay, now the competition here is also, it's a little different. And I realized, yeah. okay, this is not what it, it was anymore. And when you come back from college, I think that that will receive with a lot of guys, um, especially the German guys I've played with that come from college and they, or they come to Europe, right? Um, it's a little bit depressing, you know, um, uh, have, playing now here, um, especially is the, it was a little depressing playing for a team that wasn't successful, right? Um, and it makes you kind of, um, kind of, kind of, kind of, well, it leaves you kind of in this, this you thought, you've seen yourself as a football player of the, on this high level and you want to continue on that. And, and then you come to something where it's not, it's not that great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the team is not doing well, and then you all of a sudden have other responsibilities with, with working, and and it get, gets you a little frustrated also, right? Now, it's great to keep playing football and kind of doing that, and I think for most American players, where an American player is not really used to that he can play football, football all the time. In Germany, you can play football all the time. You can play football when you're 30, when you're 40. So we have some guys at the camps that show up, they are 45, and they want to play football, right? So there's not an end of life to it but for American player usually they have an end of life to it and they can extend their career in, in, in Germany right yeah. so I, I guess what I'm saying doesn't really make much sense right now but for me at first my basically in essence my first year I was a little frustrated and um, I, I think I was frustrated because of my career was over and then I was frustrated because the Lions were doing so bad and then the 2012 I was really frustrated because the light because I so I, I've seen, okay, what would we need to change to be successful here, okay? Yeah. Because when, once you played in America, 
you, you've kind of seen that stuff, what you will need to do to become a little bit more successful if you've been on a successful team. And I got really frustrated in 2012 and I got really upset that we were not successful because it just needed some, some few things to make it really successful, right? Yeah. And, then, and then Coach Tomlin came in 2013 and, and working with him, I mean, and then I got, I got really got my appreciation and love back uh, for football because um, it, it will, we just did all the right things to, to make it successful again. He had the right coaching, the right game plan, the right approach to the, to the practice. Um, we brought in the right players that really help out. And then, yeah, we made it to the German Bowl and uh, that was really great. And then I was really able to get the appreciation back, the, the joy of the game. By, by winning, by, by winning, it just really gets me excited and going. Mm-hmm. And um, now what I, what I like to say to that is then, um, now comparing it to the level of play, um, as we were then winning games and getting into that professionalism in Braunschweig in the 2013 season with Coach Tomlin and Coach Likens, uh, I would really say it compares to Division II, um, to a two-school program. So comparing the GFL, um, I would compare it to um, a, a lower level D2 program for sure. I think the top teams in the GFL can compete like Schwäbisch Hall now or the last few two years. They could probably compete with a D2 school, Innsbruck, um, the Lions, Dresden, you know, the top teams, they could, uh, yeah. Frankfurt, yeah, they could probably compete with a lower level D2 school, definitely D3 school. Yeah, I remember 2013. You're beating my Dresden Monarchs in the German ball. I was sitting in the States, I watching that, and I was like half pro because I know a lot of, still know a lot of guys from the Braunschweig roster uh, from my time in 2011. And of course, my Dresden Monarchs was like, I was like, damn. But yeah. it was, that was, that was the kickoff. That was uh, from 2013, that was the kickoff to, Four German balls, uh, yeah. three hero balls, and you beat everyone. Like you, you call out the names. You beat um, this Rocco Raiders. Uh, yeah. You beat the Vienna Vikings, the Schwäbische Unicorns. You beat them all. Um, yeah. Was there a special team chemistry, or was just like you know people from outside that always say, "Oh, Braunschweig, they're paying players," mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. Uh, was it like that, or was it also a, a huge team effort chemistry how, how that is in, in team sports no i mean braunschweig has a great great chemistry right um yeah people people i don't know what the story is really but i think people look at it like oh everybody gets paid um people just go there because of the money but, but that's not really true like what braunschweig does really well with is getting players that want to play that are passionate for football and want to play football right and, and when you then come to braunschweig you are around it surrounded by players that um, first of all they share the love of the game they all want to be successful they don't come there to just show off and be the disco football player mm-hmm. they they want they want to put the work in and they all put the work in right they go to the gym they lift weights they run they meet extra they do extra meetings they commit their time to be at practice we practice brown track you practice wednesday thursday friday saturday game right yeah. They are there at every practice. They spend on Thursday and Mondays extra hours, right, during the season. And um, and and that those guys they they're really committed to what they do, right? 
And um, yes, then uh, some players you get, then some players get paid in Braunschweig. Pretty much all the top teams are having to pay players now to, oh, yeah. to keep them, right? Yeah. And um, what what they help you out with making making it work for you that you can put football into your life, right? Yeah. And and that's a, that's a really important thing to do. That's how you get players. That's how you get the best players. Give them a great opportunity to learn, to be coached, um, to play. I mean, the, the the practice we do at Braunschweig that's just like you do in college football in America, right? Just the exact same thing. We run. We run a few less plays than in college football in America because we yeah. have less players, mm-hmm. but it's the exact same practice. It's really professional. The whole organization is professional. So that makes it really fun uh, for everybody to be around and people don't have to worry about much other stuff. They can really focus on what they have to do and that's playing football, right? Yeah, that sounds, uh, sounds great. And, and that's one of the biggest things, especially for a guy like you, like you were talking about before, coming from, coming from the university system, from Liberty, for example, and like you kind of said, right, you, you, I mean, especially the special situation with you where you basically missed your shot, at least the one chance that you said you had by this much, by a little bit. And then you go into that situation where now you see and you're essentially like you're talking about you were part of at least helping that program develop, you know, and then you make it to a point where it's kind of saying, like you kind of said, it's the structure is as close as you possibly can to at least to try to have here in Europe, like you would have in the States. And like you're trying to say that like you have all these guys on the same mindset and that is huge because, and I get it. Like for some guys, you know, their, their purpose out here, maybe, Hey, maybe I can make 200 bucks a month or 400 bucks a month. But then it's like what you said. Right. And and we had Jamal White, the safety they have there right now uh, last week with Rory, but the, he even said it too. He's like, you have guys who understand, okay, this is what it takes to compete at this level, you know? Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that I noticed, especially when you said everybody yeah. has the same mindset. They want to be successful at football and find a way to make it work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's that's what that's what about. And I think um, once you get to that level, right, then your team really becomes good. And I think we've seen it in Schwäbisch Hall. I I feel like they're doing that thing. People that are there, they take it serious. They're doing it because they want to, they want to do it at a high level. And it kind of shows that they are doing that. It shows in, in Dresden, but for some reason Dresden is always falling short. Um, yeah. Oh, right. I don't know what it is <laughs> in Dresden. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone from people listen, I like you. <laughs> in Frankfurt, they're doing it. And there's, there's other teams also doing it. I think Rostock in the second league, they have, they have good guys. They're taking it very serious. I mean, yeah. a lot of, uh, pretty much every team that's becoming successful in a way, they only get successful because they have a bunch of guys who take it serious and really commit uh, to the game, right? To the time, to to their teammates, and to putting in the work. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you will not have success. Yeah. Right. And so, how did? So, I mean, I mean, I was exposed to this, I believe, back in I'm gonna say 2016, I believe, 2016, 2017-ish. You came up with Playmakers Camps, and that's something yeah. where right now it's been one of the let's say the, the the top camps out here in let's say Germany and in Europe per se, where the kids want to come. They want to learn in the off season, and it's not only tailored towards kids. I believe it's a little bit higher age. Like that's at least something that you were doing for some of the camps. But how how did that come to be? That you said, you know what, I, I want to develop these playmaker camps and help the game grow. Not only that, but also have coaches clinics a part of it. Yeah, yeah. So, but when I was in college, I was always talking to my coaches there. I said, hey. Um, 
when I go back to Germany, if I go back, you know, I want to really have a football camp. Would you come to my camp? Would you do this? And they were telling me, yeah, well, yeah, if you do it, yeah, we can find a way. And uh, so, but basically what I'm trying to say is I, I was thinking about doing camps like that already when I was in college, right? And when I came to Germany, um, I was always excited about any opportunity where I was invited to coach. I helped out with the Niedersachsen Oster team one year. I got invited to a few um, local teams um, and camps. And um, and then as I was working for the Lions, I, one time I set a camp up with IMG Academy. Uh, where we organized them to come over. And, and I really liked it because I always felt like, okay, this, now the reason why I like it and why I always wanted to do camps was when I started playing football, I started out with the Cooksaf North Stars. And as I described, there wasn't really a team there, right? There was one coach and there was no youth team. There were, uh, as you can imagine, Cooksaf North, everybody probably thinks like, okay, that sounds like, Never heard of that team. Well, you may have never heard of them. <laughs> they were a big deal in the North back then, right? But you probably never heard of them. And there's a reason we never heard of them. A small team. And what these small teams have is they're lacking structure. They're lacking enough players. They're lacking coaching. And every time I went to Niedersachsen also, the, youth, the German national team, um, I was there in the camp and I learned so much in one weekend, right? It was like... Yeah was blowing my mind, right? And um, I, I just really wanted to create that opportunity for, for kids to, or players that are passionate about football, come in and learn, you know, get get some coaching from somebody who's been there before at, at, at a level where you may want to go to. And so when, um, so I always had the passion for it. And then um, one time I get an email in my email account um, from Nate Popple from the quarterback ranch in the US. And he said, hey, um, we've been referred to you by Joop Woodenberg, right? Joop Woodenberg, yeah. you, you know, the guy from the Netherlands? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Joop Woodenberg said, you may be a good person to talk to uh, when it comes to camps. We want to come to Germany and we want to do a camp. And I was thinking, quarterback ranch, that sounds cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to set up, and, and yeah, I always, I wanted to set up a camp anyway. I can maybe, we can work together and they come over and we just set up a camp, right? So I was in Braunschweig and um, I was working with New Yorker to try to get the camp set up in Braunschweig and that fell through. And um, then I talked to um, my some some former teammates, uh, well, just coaches I know at Bremerhaven. And 2016, January 2016, we set up a camp in Bremerhaven. It was the it was a wind we called a winter football camp, and the quarterback ranch came over. They came over with three guys. It was Nate Popple, Joseph Baylor, and um, what's his name? I think Robinson. Yeah. Um, forgot his name, but he played he played in the NFL for a while. So they came over. And we did the camp in Bremerhaven. It was a great turnout. We had 100 kids there, and I was excited afterwards. Right? I was thinking, well, that's great. We had a great camp. Well, let's make it a serious. So I was talking to them. I wanted um, – oh, as I, was, as I was preparing for the camp, that's a really important thing uh, to say. As I was preparing for the camp, I reached out to potential sponsors, and um, I reached out to Playmakers Football the football shop okay wow. and that's a uh, pa pascal pascal owns the um, playmakers football shop mm -hmm. and i reached out to him and i said hey you want to sponsor the camp and stuff like that and he wrote me back hey i like that it's a great thing that you're doing i, I want to help you out so pascal and i worked together and he um, talked to some of his um, suppliers 
and they were actually able to help us out with balls and with uh, t-shirts and some gear and um, yeah yeah, just things we need to get this camp going and and uh, since then and pascal came to the camp and he was coaching and he was helping out he loved it i loved it and then as after the camp after the winter football camp in bremerhaven we were talking and um he then made the suggestion he said hey storm do you want to keep organizing the camp why don't you call them playmakers camp and you can use my social media outlet that was already there and to get uh, you know get the numbers up and I was thinking, oh, Playmakers Camp sounds good. I can use this social media. That's great. I can work with Pascal. He's a great guy. He's a really, really smart guy. Knows what he's doing. Yeah. And um, had a lot of uh, resources. And I said, yeah, I want to work with him. And um, that's kind of where the partnership started. We called the camps Playmakers Camps. Um, we talked to some more suppliers. They were able to help with uh, even more equipment, right? And um, we planned uh, we planned the first camp series in 2016 with the quarterback ranch. They were coming back in November. We advertised it. We did four camps in that November, and it was a good turnout. You know, we we uh, broke even, and we were able to continue the series. Um, realized, hey, we can do this in February as well. And brought in um, coaches in February. Continued doing camps in February. Did it again 2017 November, and then started doing summer camps and. The kind of the series is kind of kicked off. We uh, um, we did um, now uh, until um, last camp we did now is in February until Corona broke out. But we did 34 playmakers camps so far, 34 camps, and um, that's a lot. We have over 2,000 participants at the camps from more than 200 different teams, right? And um, yeah, it's a success. It's a great series. Um, we average um, we average a good amount of players in each camp. Um, some camps, you know, they sometimes turn out even better than others, and some are a little less. But um, basically, end of the day, we always have a good time. I think we what we what we do, what I did a good job with was bringing in the right coaches. When Mela was there, I think we have we, the coaches that we bring into the camp. You know, sometimes I <laughs> lately I've get a lot of requests from coaches wanting to coach in the camp, right? And it's like, okay, yeah. I really appreciate it. I feel like they have a passion for going. I kind of want to bring them in. But when it all started out, I kind of got this core group of coaches. And and they did it for the passion. They didn't do it for the money. They did it for the passion. They really wanted to coach uh, kids and players and help them out. And, um, um, yeah, I think over that time, we kind of started grow, becoming friends, you know. And then I, um, it's fun to see them at the weekend. And um, it's just, uh, you know, it's just a great time. And, um yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Sorry. yeah, I was about to say, especially guy for you, what you're saying, what essentially your your purpose and your vision behind it is, right? Like you're saying, like you want to have guys that at the end of the day, you're, you're I mean, from the reason why I know why I was doing the camps for you, especially what you were saying is like you're doing it to what better football. Like you just yeah. talked about right now, like from what you noticed as you coming up as a player, you know that hey, a lot of these kids need this. I saw it too, like when I was coaching for Byron, was it all those yeah. years? It's like these kids would come into camps, like especially the first long camps we would have, and they would learn so much, and they would ask, like, hey, how can we learn? And if, you, if you're able to have camps, you know, and it's nothing against their, their coaches, but at least that's a way for these kids to get better and then go back, you know, yeah. to the local programs, and then it's going to trickle through, you know. But yeah. the biggest thing, like you kind of said, you want to have coaches that share that same mindset as you. And we really, we really see them improving. We see the players. Sometimes we get them for one camp, come back the next year, they're there again, and they've improved. Yeah. They improve from first day to the second day. And what we do is we really, 
of the camps, we really try to get players to their next level. So what that means is if you are a guy who's never thrown a football before and you want to play quarterback, you can come to the camp and learn that. If you are the guy who wants to become a starter at quarterback at your club, you come to the camp and we show you how to do it, right? All the stuff we're talking about, the basics, the drills we do, and the fast pace that we're having at the camp is really what's going to make you better to take your next step. The better you become in those details, the easier it will be for you to take the next the next step. And we have guys that have made it to college. We have guys that made it to get a starting job. We have guys at the camps who made it from, uh, who, who, who realized that um, they really want to go for something more. And now they're playing in the GFL and are dominating in the GFL, right? Tim Unger. One time, he's a, one of the best DBs, I would say, right now in the GFL. He was at the Playmakers camp, right? And he really showed he has a passion. He wanted to ask, what can I do more? And kind of showed him, told him, and he ended up in Braunschweig, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean we, we don't recruit at the camps, but it's just like we give like players a – we show them up, hey, like this is what you have to do to get to where you want to go, right? And um, we do have the coaches there to make the connections and to, to others, to other organizations, if they want to go to the U.S., if they want to go to college and uh, make the introductions, help them to de just develop, you know, even with private trainings or more individual trainings. And yeah, I think we put together a really good package there. And the relationship with the quarterback ranch is, is really good. Um, um, we're trying to bring them back every year and, um, yeah, it's been it's been working out really well for us. Um, is there a is there a change in kind of the goal or the vision now at this point? Because like you said, it's been thirty plus camps, so it's like, yeah. you know, was it four four years later? Now are you looking to more expand, or what's what's cool? What were you kind of looking at as being the founder of it and kind of seeing like the next step to take out here? Because this is a thing, right? And you know, this also being the states. Like when we talk about camps, they're big in the states. When you talk about camps yeah. in Europe, at least let's say five years ago they weren't really in existence. And now you're seeing all these camps pop up, especially yours, where everybody's talking about every year. Like these kids talk about, they want to go to the camps and their parents are trying to find a way to get them there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the goal is really kind of continue the concept as we've been doing. It's, um, it's working. It's, um, um, it's, it's good. Uh, we definitely want to expand, want to go to other countries. Um, um, want to go to other countries too. There's some talks right now. So from for me personally, I have to admit that um, I I'm pulling myself a little bit out. I'm trying to bring in some other people, um, partnering up with some other people that are taking more responsibilities within the organization. Mm -hmm. um, we are likely to um, to merge with another uh, with another well-known organization here in the next few weeks, and um, the goal is kind of to to build a platform okay um for this kind of kind of camp and really then enable certain people to go out and do the camp the concept um, as as we've been doing and um that's that's all right now in the plans and uh, once we've kind of uh, gotten our heads into this and uh, worked this out i think it'd be very good for the football community in in europe um um, to to really join in on join in on these camps, um, we're thinking about you know setting it up the way that we can also expand potentially to the U.S. Okay, giving something to all these import players that are here to take a concept back in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Because we one time we did a camp in um, in the U.S. Uh, sorry sorry Bio, he's uh, who was now coaching in China the last few years. Um, he 
got a bunch of t-shirt and took basically the concept with him to Miami and he did it there for kids. And um, so when, when you take our concept, the way it differs from other camps and even in the US, it's more in the US, it's more, you know, like, like a showcase. You go there, you just get your gear and you just run through a bunch of drills um, without the coaches having really taught you anything. So what, what we really do at the camp is now we spend time with the drills. We explain, we explain the techniques, we correct them, right? And, and that is something a lot of camps in the U.S. are missing. Mm-hmm. That is something not, not, not many people in, in Europe have done on a large scale like we do. And uh, I think that's what makes us successful. And that's why I believe we can take these camps and um, bring, them, bring them anywhere. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, come up uh, to the last question, last topic. Um, how is this year going? How is uh, Playmaker, Corona? Um, you have something on hold. You had already something planned. How um, this affect you like everyone in, in the world right now? Yeah, so we had to cancel our last camp in uh, March in Norderstedt. Um, yeah. That was when Corona kind of really hit off in the news and the media and all these uh, lockdowns and rules were implemented. Yeah, we canceled that camp. Um, unfortunately, we had some camps planned for for the summertime, but as it is right now, I don't see it. Uh, I don't see it happening. Um, it's just too much of a risk. And then uh, hopefully we get to we get to the November camps. Okay. Yeah. Um, November is definitely our month um, for for camps. Our camp month where we bring our partners in from the U.S. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's really uncertain time right now. So. We just kind of see how everything develops in the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, appreciate your time. And I hope everyone out there um, listen to it. I mean, this is a guy who made camp for the kids, for the juniors out there who ran run through all of it, you know, from starting in Germany, going to the States and coming back and also be successful in, uh, in Europe. Thank you, Søren, for your time late at the night. Mm-hmm. And I hope you stay safe and your family, everyone come through the Corona thing and kids out there, sign up for the Playmaker camps when you see them on somewhere on the internet. Sign it up. It's uh, one of the great experiences you can make in European youth football. Thank you for your time. Maybe... Um... Yeah. One thing, if, if you let me say that, um, yes, just definitely. a little advertisement. So on our website, okay, playmakers-camp.de, there's the member zone, okay? And if you sign up in the member zone, you just basically put in your email address, your name and your phone number, then you have access to all our coaches clinic videos, right? And I know, Mela, you have a presentation in there. Uh, I'm going to send you the link. Uh, give me some time and you yeah. can access your own presentations and share the link maybe with people that you mm-hmm. want to share it with. No, we, we we also tagged it in uh, in our stories on Instagram, and we'll put it okay. all out there, especially in the in the YouTube channels and all that. We'll share. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, just whoever wants to um, get some access to free coaching videos, um, playmakers camp, sign up, and then you said you get the access code sent to you. Perfect. Thank you very much, and have a good night, everyone. Oh, I appreciate it. Have Thank a good you. night, buddy. Appreciate it. God bless. Thank you. All right.